Hello, this is Sarah Pearson, Features Editor at the Concord Monitor, here with Granite Geek David Brooks to learn more about a story he wrote this week. And so Dave, this week you wrote about apples, and I love apples. Apple crisp. Apple sauce. Apple pie. Uh, apple fritters. Mm, apple chips. Oh, now I'm hungry. Ah, sorry about that. So why are you writing about apples? I was writing about apples, uh, partly because I like apples, uh, but mostly because there is a program to start a heritage orchard uh, in the town of Milton out near the seacoast. The idea being to preserve varieties of apples that were once around but have mostly been forgotten. I mean, and we're talking about a lot of varieties of apples. Uh, We probably have seven, eight, nine apple varieties available to us today in stores, and there used to be hundreds, frankly, there used to be thousands of them. There's really that many varieties of apples? I've never heard of all of them. Well, no, you haven't, and that's kind of the point, uh, and that's part of the the reason um, why this was started. So uh, let me back up very quickly. So talking to the um, the guy who started it, so basically apples, and by the way, this also does pears, which has kind of all the same biology in it. So these are not self-fertilizing. Uh, trees. Many trees can fertilize themselves, but uh, apple trees and pear trees cannot, and therefore they have to get pollen from other variety, from other trees. You know, just like male and female, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, um, th- it's much easier for the genetics to become uh, mixed and to change for the next generation. So the seeds of an apple tree, of a particular variety of apple tree, there's a fair unless you've been careful, there's a fairly good chance that those seeds will have somewhat different genes than the parent tree. So when you plant them from apples, Johnny Appleseed, right? When you plant trees from, I'm sorry, when you plant from seeds, excuse me, Johnny, like Johnny Appleseed, the chances are the varieties that come up will be much more, uh, much more varied than the trees you started with. Um, so apples are not native to, to uh, North America. They were brought here by the Europeans, so they're sort of an invasive species to a certain extent. Uh, and they were spread by, by people. Um, mostly by seed. And so as a result, lots and lots of varieties were developed by the different climates and different soils as, as Europeans spread around. I mean, it, it, talking about it, it got to the point where it, uh, pretty much every community almost had its own varieties of apples. They weren't, they weren't hugely different, but they were a little different. And furthermore, they usually had varieties for different things. So you had variety for eating, but frankly, fresh eating apples was what you and I think of wasn't really the main use of them oftentimes. They were used for cider, and uh, baking. That baking, cider and baking, those are the two main things. And cider in particular because, you know, the water was uh, unhealthy and so you needed an alternative liquid. And cider was both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, but usually alcoholic was was a very common one, particularly in early America. So, so there were hundreds, thousands of varieties all over the place. Uh, once commodified agriculture came along and cities and you needed to have apples that could be stored, that could be dependable, that could be transported. We, we sort of focused on a certain varieties and all the other ones have disappeared. So, or, or largely disappeared, which is where this, um, which is where the, this idea comes in to preserve them. So uh, what this, uh, I kind of got wandered off course here. What the Heritage Orchard is, is he's asking people to go around in their property and find really old, gnarly, sort of half-dead apple trees. And frequently, um, 
it's, it's basically one way to know if it's old enough. It's roughly if it's at least a foot in diameter at breast height, which is sort of the standard measurement for trees, and frequently if it's hollow, because apparently uh, apple trees get hollow a lot when they get old. There's a good chance it's old. And so send, send this guy a picture of it. Uh, you can find details about it in the column, and he'll take a look at it and decide whether it's a, the possibility exists that it's a variety that's not known. If it is, it'll come out, he'll take uh, a sample of it, he'll bring it back, and he will graft it onto rootstock as compared to he won't take seeds from it and plant the seeds because as we just know that might mean it wouldn't stay genetically uh, stable but if you take if you graft it it will be the absolute gene so he will graft it on the rootstock at the farm and the idea is to get some trees get lots of trees growing all these different varieties and kind of once you've got them stable you can decide what we're going to do with it and how we're going to how we're going to preserve them over time okay so in this kind of approach uh, saving samples to preserve genetic diversity um, isn't limited to apples at all. Uh, this is sort of part and parcel of something that's happening all over the world. What are some other examples? Well, the most famous one, within a certain subset anyway, of people is uh, in Sval called Svalbard, uh, Svalbard. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Um, it's a gen genetic uh, vault that's on the island of Spitsbergen in the north of Norway. And um, that's a vault that's been put in, the idea being that, you know, it's way up there near the, the in the Arctic, it'll be preserved for time, and they're saving samples of plant genetics from all over the world, uh, collecting them from places. There are a lot of regional places where they're basically doing the same thing as this heritage orchard for whatever, for crops or for non-crops, just for wild plants, just because the idea is all these genetic variety, a lot of it's disappearing as the climate changes, as human beings cut down forests, you know, as we alter the, as the globe. And so there's apparently there's lots of these around the world that are either being saved by universities or governments or just private people. And at Svalbard, they're trying to collect it from all of those. And the idea being if there was, you know, some real catastrophe, at some point you could go there and get this genetic uh, diversity and reestablish. We'd have the seeds to start over. We'd have the seeds to start over. Yeah, this sounds like every science fiction novel I read in the 70s, I know. But it's true. Um, so, uh, so and, and, and as I say, this Heritage Orchard Milton is, is an example of this. Is we, have, we can no longer depend on just sort of things being preserved by chance, by happenstance. We have to actively work to save things because so much of what we're doing is actively destroying them. So, so this is partially another climate change story? Yeah, when you get right down to it, it is. Yeah, sorry about that. But it's a tasty one, so it has, that's good. Who doesn't love apples? Everybody loves apples. So Yeah, if he'd done this for, like, you know, radishes, I don't think I would have written about it, because who gets excited about radishes? Lettuce, perhaps. <laughs> no, lettuce is all right, but, rat yeah, you know, you know. There's so many types of lettuce. All right, well, thanks, Dave. You bet. Remember, you can listen to this podcast on Google Music, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to it so you won't miss it whenever we remember to do it. And read all of David's stories online at granitgeek.org or conqueredmonitor.com.